How we doing, Redeemer? Uh, and uh, anyone else out there, if we haven't met, uh, my name's Chris. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, glad you're with us today. Uh, got a few announcements for us. If you're, if you're just joining us online today for the first time, or if we haven't had the opportunity to really connect with you before, uh, in person, we'd love to get connected with you as, as soon as possible uh, and get you connected with our church. And so we actually have a virtual connect card. Uh, if you're on our website, there should be a, a link just below the, the live stream video there uh, where you can click that and fill out that virtual connect card. There's probably also one uh, available on our Facebook page for you uh, to, to click as well. And you can fill out that card um, for us to be able to get you connected with our online community to sign up for Realm, where we kind of post out all of our information and news for the church. Uh, you can mark on that card if you're interested in joining a community group to get you connected to a community group um, online uh, to just be able to have folks journeying with you, praying with you, you, encouraging you as you walk with the Lord. Uh, you can share prayer requests, there's, and there's, there's more things on there as well. So encourage you, click on that link and fill out that, that card online if you uh, would like to get connected with us in any way. Uh, we know that this is a really hard season for, for so many of us uh, with, with losing jobs and fears about our health and the virus and all sorts of things. And so we, we want to invite you, please reach out to our staff and any of our pastors. Uh, we want to be here for you in any way to, to, to talk with you, to meet with you uh, online, of course, uh, to, to pray for you, uh, encourage you in any ways we can, and come alongside you, uh, meeting even practical needs if we're able to, as a church, to, to walk with you through that. We, we want to know, so please do reach out to us. Uh, as I said before, community groups are now meeting online. Now is as, as good a time as any to get connected with a group. You can email uh, Pastor Kyle, kyle at redeemerbloomington.org to get signed up for a group. He'll help you get connected to, to one of our community groups. We still have two more classes that we're offering including one tonight on loving your neighbor that Pastor Jesse will be leading tonight at 6.30. There's a, a link on Realm uh, for that, that class on Zoom. Uh, we'll also have a class Wednesday night at 6.30. Uh, Pastor Matt will be leading uh, on working from home and invite you to, to click on those opportunities, check out those opportunities to, to grow uh, in this time. The food pantry continues to serve uh, folks in our community, and we have uh, needs for a number of food items. And so you can continue to drop those items off at the church uh, on Tuesdays and Thursdays between 1 and 4 p.m. And so I uh, encourage you, if you're able to contribute to that, uh, we definitely still have need. We still have folks that we're serving here in the neighborhood, um, and we're excited and, and joyful to be able to, to provide and care for them. And we just invite you to join us in that effort. Um, we want to thank you for your continued faithfulness and giving uh, in this season. We want to encourage you uh, as we're unable to, to worship in, in giving here uh, together in the gathering uh, to continue to, to make offerings online uh, through Realm, uh, the giving tab there. You can also connect through our website. Um, we want to encourage you to just continue to, to exercise your faith in being faithful in that. And as we mentioned earlier, today is Palm Sunday, which means that this is Holy Week, uh, a very different Holy Week, but our circumstances do not change the reality that we have much to celebrate, much to rejoice in this week. And so we'll have a Good Friday gathering that will be online uh, Friday at 6.30 p.m., an opportunity for us to fix our gaze on the cross of Christ and celebrate all that Jesus has won for us there. Uh, Easter Sunday will be live here, uh, 10 a.m. Uh, join us 
us online again uh, for that next Sunday. And I want to encourage you to still seize the opportunity of Easter, to, to, to seize this opportunity to invite friends, family, uh, folks you are connected with, uh, invite them to join us online uh, and, and worship our, our resurrected Lord uh, next Sunday. And so I encourage you uh, to continue even each week as you gather online with us to, to post things in your social media feeds, uh, photos, and, and, and sharing these links just to invite people to, to join in. And while we lament that we won't be able to, to you know, have an Easter party and the Easter egg hunt and, and do all the things that we would love to be able to do together this year, we really want to encourage you as households to, to really kind of lean in and, and kind of embrace Easter this year like, like Thanksgiving. Right, to feast as a household, uh, celebrate the resurrection of our Lord, uh, make it fun for the kids if you have kids at home, um, and, and just enjoy and celebrate together as much as, as we're able. Well, as we continue in Exodus, uh, we're, we're working through uh, about four plus chapters of text today. Um, so we'll be here for the next three or four hours online. Uh, that's a joke, and I can't hear your laughter, so I'm just going to assume that it worked. Um, when it comes to thinking about the law uh, in, in the time in which we live, uh, there really are essentially two main views uh, that people of faith tend to take. Some people, a lot of people, think that religion and law are synonymous, uh, that law-keeping is how you relate to God. And in the midst of a pandemic like this, there's no doubt a reality that for a lot of people, this is a time when they start to think about God more than maybe they had a couple months ago, right? These sorts of times can awaken people to their, their need for God, their need for hope. And many of them will, maybe this is you, will immediately be thinking, what do I need to do to get right with God? Maybe if I do what he wants, this thing will pass and be over quickly. So what do I need to do? What do I need to do to make that happen? And this is one way of relating to the law. I need to keep the law of God to have and to earn God's favor, God's approval. Then there are other people in our world who, who would claim to have faith, who would claim to be religious. Uh, maybe they might prefer to call themselves spiritual. Uh, and the law has nothing to do with their spirituality, their faith. There, there's no obedience. There is no sense of duty or obligation whatsoever. And people tend to take one of these two approaches. They either view the law as central to religion that keeping the law is what saves you, what gets you on God's good side, or they believe that the law is something that we have to get beyond, something that we've advanced beyond, and, and, and it no longer applies to us at all. But both of these views of the law are too simplistic and completely miss the Bible's perspective and understanding of the purpose of the law. The law is not simply some cold, rigid set of rules that we must keep to get God on our side. Nor is it simply some outdated, primitive misunderstanding about how we are to relate to God. But if the Lord will give us eyes to see and ears to hear this morning, we will find the love and grace of God in the midst of his law. That's what we're going to see as we dig into Exodus chapter 20, verse 22. We're covering all the way to Exodus 24, 18 today. We will be reading from Exodus uh, chapter 24, verses 7 through 11. 
Exodus 24, 7 through 11. I invite you wherever you are, in your living room, in your kitchen, to to grab your Bible, turn there, and, and stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Exodus 24, verses 7 through 11. Hear the word of the Lord. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do, and we will be obedient. And Moses took the blood and threw it on the people and said, behold, the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. And then Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu and and 70 of the elders of Israel went up and they saw the God of Israel. There was under his feet, as it were, a pavement of sapphire stone, like the very heaven for clearness. And he did not lay his hand on the chief men of the people of Israel. They beheld God and ate and drank. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for this time um, to gather here, even through this technology, uh, to, to dig into your word, Lord, to, to calm our, our souls for a moment in the midst of the, the craziness that's happening in our world. Lord, we pray by your spirit, by your grace, you would enable us to rest in you this morning, that you would enable us to see you for who you are, that even as we are in these, these chapters uh, in the Old Testament, the book of Exodus, the, the, the law, the Torah, that you would enable us to see within your law, your love, your grace for us. And, and Lord, that that would be a comfort, a comfort to us that you are with us, that you love us, that you are for us, that you will not abandon us, uh, you have not left us. But you are very much with us, very much inviting us to draw near to you in this moment, in every moment. And Lord, we pray that, that we would be a people who would love you, who would love you with joyful, thankful obedience, who would love you by coming to you boldly, fellowshipping with you. Lord, we be a people who find our, our hope in you alone, Lord Jesus. We pray this in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Well, Exodus uh, 20 through 23 is referred to here in Exodus 24 by Moses as, as the book of the covenant. Uh, sounds a little Lord of the Rings ish there, the book of the covenant. You have in the book of the covenant, the 10 commandments. And then really what follows the 10 commandments is is really an unpacking of those commandments and a variety of laws and commandments to govern the life of God's people as they live as God's people. Uh, His treasured possession, we talked about this last week in in Exodus 19 and in the beginning of of chapter 20, that they would live as his treasured possession, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Uh, But as we dig into these chapters, we, we can actually see how the law shows us God's love and God's grace and how ultimately its purpose is to point us to Jesus. 
First, the law shows us God's love. If you take time to read through these chapters, if you took some time before uh, this morning to read through those chapters, you may be a little puzzled by that statement. How do some of these laws show the Show me God's love, right? That might be a question you're, you're thinking because, for example, you'll read in Exodus 21, verses 33 to 34, when a man opens a pit or when a man digs a pit and does not cover it and an ox or a donkey falls into it, the owner of the pit shall make restoration. Or Exodus 21, 35, when one man's ox butts another's so that it dies, then they shall sell the live ox and share its price, and the dead beast also they shall share. Or there's some even stranger ones. Exodus twenty two eighteen. you shall not permit a sorceress to live. I don't know what that means for wizards, uh, but uh, that's what it says. Uh, or Exodus twenty three nineteen. you shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. So change your lunch plans now uh, if that was on the, on the docket for today. Uh, and then there's this one, Exodus twenty one seventeen. whoever curses his father and mother shall be put to death. How are we supposed to deal with that in a quarantine situation? Uh, seriously though, I, I'm sure I am not the only one who, when I read Exodus 21:17, knows that I'm guilty of breaking that law. You know, I, I'm not the only one. Uh, what do we do with this? The, the, there are laws here in these chapters dealing with, with slavery. Uh, what do we make of those laws? How do, how do, how do those show God's love? Uh, what we need to understand right off the bat is, is a few things. First, we need to understand that these laws were given in a different time and in a very different culture. They assume an agrarian culture. Most of us who are, who are tuning in here, we, we don't have livestock. And no, your dog does not count. Not even my dog, which is almost the size of a horse. Your dog doesn't count. We don't, we don't own livestock. Uh, some of these laws were given to help God's people, the Israelites, avoid any confusion or, or suffer any contamination from the Canaanite religions that they were about to be in the midst of as they enter into the land of promise. Tim Chester offers us some very helpful words in his commentary. He says, the laws of slavery are regulating what was then a fact of life to ensure that it was conducted in a humane way. The Bible contains the seeds that would eventually lead to the abolition of the slave trade. In the meantime, it ensured uh, slaves were well treated. Likewise, the divorce laws, as Jesus makes clear in Mark 10, 2 through 9, accept the realities of life in a fallen world without actually condoning fallen behavior. To ensure the vulnerable are protected. There is an accommodation to the realities of life in a fallen world with an attempt to limit the harm caused by sin. So if we look and think deeply on these strange laws, not just here, but as they are expanded upon throughout the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, if we look and think deeply on these strange laws, understanding their context, we can actually still see the love of God, very much so. This was, after all, the first culture in history in which adultery was, uh, was not just a sin for women, uh, but was seen as sin for men also. This was the first culture in history in which daughters could inherit their family's wealth as well as sons. 
Generosity is commanded throughout God's law with a mind for caring for the poor and the marginalized. God commands the Israelites that the aliens and immigrants and racial outsiders are to be extended all of the rights and privileges that they have. Why? God says in Exodus twenty two twenty one, because you should remember what it was like when you were aliens in the land of Egypt. The law of God shows us the love of God. Last week, if you joined us, we, we looked at what God says to his people before he gives them the law. Back in Exodus 19, verses 4 through 6, he says this, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests." And a holy nations. In other words, God is saying to his people, I love you. I love you. I've rescued you. I've redeemed you to be my love, to be my treasure. And this is how you can live in my love. This is how you can show your love for me. Right? When, when you fall in love with someone, when you're in a relationship with someone, You want to know their heart. You want to know who they are. You want to know how they will feel loved. And this is what God is saying. These are not a list of demands from God saying, you better do this if you want to earn my affection, my acceptance. Nor are these simply arbitrary, pointless, loveless commands to get beyond. Certainly, we recognize that some of these are are specific to the specific time, the specific culture of the Israelites in this moment of history, that some of these laws serve to mark out Israel and, and protect them and preserve them as God's distinct people so that the plan of God would move forward to redeem us. That, that, that Christ would come through these people, that he would come and he would fulfill all of these laws in our place. Yet we also understand that the moral law of God that's summed up in the Ten Commandments still remains. We're still called to obey God, to to love God in keeping those commandments. But we must see that that the law of God is not given in in some way, uh, is not given as the way for us to force God's hand, right? We try to keep it so that we can force God's hand to show us favor. Nor is it a, a way to earn his love. But rather, God gives us his law because he already loves us. If you're a child uh, joining us this morning, uh, particularly if you're a teenager, you're probably not thinking of yourself as a child, but you are the child of someone. You're a, a young adolescent, right? You might think through some of the rules that your parents have given you to follow. And even those of us who are former children, who are adults now, we can think on some of the rules that our parents gave us when we were kids. And sometimes those rules can seem strange, pointless, stupid, right? But parents generally give those rules and commands to you out of love for you, to protect you, to even show you that, hey, this is how we relate to one another in this family. This is how we show one another that we love and care for one another. So don't play out in the busy street because you'll get hit by a car and you'll get hurt or killed. I love you. I don't want you to get hurt. 
or be home by 11. Be home by 11 because I love you. And this is how you can love your mom and dad by being home at a certain hour so we don't have to stay up all night worrying about where you are or what's happened to you. Tell us where you're going and and when you're leaving there. This is a way you can love your parents and keep them from worrying about you. Of course, none of us have curfews right now because we all are grounded. Um, but, But that's why parents give those rules. In a similar way, God is saying to you, I love you. You're my treasure. I, 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 I met your need for rescue, and this is how you can show your love for me. So many of God's commands clearly protect us. They protect us, but, but all of them give us a way to demonstrate our love and devotion to the one who first loved us. The law shows us the love of God. And when we begin to grasp that, we can start to understand the words of the psalmist in Psalm 119, 97. Oh, how I love your law. It is, it is my meditation all the day. And again, a few, a few verses later, Psalm 119, 103. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. You understand, this is what the psalmist is saying about the law of God. The Torah, right? The, the part of the Bible where you in your Bible reading plan, you, you know, it usually you're like, I'm out, tapping out, right? Bible reading plans go to die there. And this, the psalmist is saying, I love your law. I love to think on it every moment of the day. It's sweeter than honey. I love it. He says that because he grasps that the law of God shows us the love of God. But there's more. Also, the law shows us God's grace. God's law is not given in the way of do this if you want, you want me to love you, if you want me to accept you. But rather God says, you've seen how I rescued you, how I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. The Ten Commands don't begin with, hey, you better get this stuff together. You better obey these things if you want to be my people. That's not how they begin. But rather, before a commandment is given, God reminds his people of this in Exodus 20, verse 2. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. God's law begins with grace. God essentially says, I have saved you. I have rescued you. Now obey me. God says, I have completely accepted you. Therefore, obey He doesn't say, obey so you can be accepted. That's that's what every other religion of the world teaches, by the way. That's actually the natural perspective of the human heart. I have to obey in order to be accepted. Whether that's, I have to obey the laws of the culture in order to be accepted by the people who I think I need to be accepted by. Or whether it's, I have to obey the laws of this religion, this God, to be accepted by that deity. But here we see, in the midst of the law of God, the one true God says to you, I have already completely accepted you, therefore obey. The law of God shows us the grace of God, that he's the one who accomplishes your rescue. He's the one who gave you his acceptance as a gift, unmerited favor. That is grace. And that it's his love and grace 
already given to you that should move you to joyful, thankful obedience. We also see the grace of God here in Exodus 24 in the confirmation of the covenant, the the verses that we read moments ago. Moses reads the book of the covenant in Exodus 24, 7. He, He reads it to the people and they say, we will do everything that you have commanded, right? We will do everything that the Lord says. We will obey that. Really? really? You're going to obey all of it. Really? Maybe they should have said, well, we will obey most of the time. Or we will obey a lot of what you tell us some of the time. Um, but they landed on saying, we will obey everything that you've commanded. So what does Moses do? Verse 8. And Moses took the blood and threw it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. He throws blood on people. He sprays it on them. And that sounds pretty strange, uh, pretty gross to us. But it wasn't strange to them. It wasn't strange to them. After all, this is not a written culture. This wasn't a culture where you signed a piece of paper to agree to a contract. No, in this culture, the way you made a contract, the way you made a covenant, was that you acted out the penalty for breaking that contract. The common practice was to cut an animal in, in half and then walk between the pieces and say, let it be done to me as it was done to this animal. May I be cut to pieces if I don't hold up my end of this agreement. But much like what happens with God and Abraham, when God made his covenant with Abraham in Genesis 15, when, when God, God alone, passed through the pieces, signifying that on him alone his covenant depended. Similarly here, the sprinkling of blood is symbolic. It's symbolic of God's provision of a sacrifice for the people's inability to live up to their end of the covenant, for their failure to be able to obey everything that he commanded. God's people are sprinkled clean by the blood of the covenant, God's gracious provision. I had the honor of performing a wedding yesterday. Uh, It was a very different wedding uh, than I've ever been a part of, but also one of the most beautiful that I've ever been a part of too. But, but, But in a wedding, right, in that moment when the bride and groom, they look at one another full of love and passion and devotion to the other, and they say, I do. Right? I covenant to be your husband. I covenant to be your wife. No matter what, you're mine, I'm yours. Nothing can change that. Nothing will change that. Nothing will separate us. That is what God is saying to his people through the blood sprinkled on them. You are mine. Nothing will change that. Nothing will separate us. Immediately we, we read that the Moses and the elders of the people, they, they go up the mountain And to their absolute astonishment, they see God. They they don't see God's face, right? Because we'll we'll get to that later in Exodus. You cannot see God's face and live. They don't see his face, but but they're brought near to God. They're brought into his presence and they see his feet. And the sheer beauty of his feet is indescribable. They grasp for words to try to describe it. They say it, it, was like, it was like some sort of pavement made out of sapphire under his feet. It's, it's an incredible experience, but they are not struck down and destroyed. 
They likely expected that to, to see even the feet of God would mean that he would break out against them. But God doesn't raise his hand against them. Instead, they eat a meal in the presence of God. Tim Chester, again in his commentary, says, This is salvation, to eat in the presence of God. This is grace. This is grace. The Israelites don't earn this moment because they keep God's law. They obey everything. They don't. They, they don't get this moment by ignoring the law either. They desire to honor and love God. They desire to keep his commands. But they receive the blood of the covenant to cover their inability to do so. And they rejoice in this moment to get a small glimpse of God's glory. And not only live but to experience his gracious acceptance as they eat in his presence. And in this, we see that the law points us to Jesus. The law points us to Jesus. This moment on the mountain points us forward to the night before Jesus died. When Jesus took the cup after supper in Luke 20, 22, 20, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Jesus sharing a meal with his disciples, makes a new covenant with his people. And again, it's a covenant confirmed through blood, not the blood of an animal, but by his very own blood, Jesus' blood. Jesus who alone, alone obeyed every part of God's law, every commandment of God he kept perfectly. He willingly, for the joy that was set before him, exchanged his perfect obedience, his perfect righteousness for the cross, to take your place on the cross where his blood was shed to cover your sin, to wash you clean. The author of Hebrews puts it this way in Hebrews 10, 22. He says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Jesus' blood is what makes us clean before God and enables us to draw near. Not to draw near fearing that we might be struck down, but to draw near with confidence to come before the Lord boldly, covered by the righteousness of Christ. And this new covenant in his blood is, is confirmed to us in a meal, in a meal, the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper. Oh. And the bread and the wine that represent his body that was broken, his blood that was shed in our place to pay for our sin and to reconcile us to God. Brothers and sisters, oh, oh how I long to share in that supper with you. And, and I lament with you that we can't. Uh, but every time, every time that we've shared in that meal uh, before and the next time that we, we get to share in it together, we, we remember in that moment. We, we must remember in that moment and understand Jesus' new covenant is being confirmed and reconfirmed each time to us. And that supper is, is really a, just a mere foretaste of the real feast that awaits us when we are with him in glory. When because of the finished work of Jesus, as the song we, we love to sing here says, we will feast and we will weep no more. The prophet Isaiah describes that feast to come like this in Isaiah 25, verses 6 through 8. On this mountain, another mountain, 
The Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow and aged wine well refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth for the Lord has spoken. Jesus, he, he does everything, everything required to rescue us from sin and death. He redeems us. He instructs us. He unpacks the law of God that we might see his love and grace in it, that we might live in his love as his beloved, that we as a community might together be his treasured possession, that we might live as a kingdom of priests in a holy nation, pointing others in, in the world around us to the love and grace of Jesus as we love and serve one another, as we respond to his rescue with joyful and thankful obedience, as we tell others about the hope that we have in Christ alone and what he's done to rescue them. And extend that hope to them as well. May we see in the law of God, God's love and his grace. May, may we see Jesus. And, and in this time of so much, so much uncertainty, so much anxiety and, and, and fear, may we rest in the truth that God is with us. In Christ, he's covenanted to, to, to always be with us. He will not leave us. He will not forsake us. In fact, in Christ, he's, he's dealt with everything that could ever come between us. He's with us. You may be shut up at home right now, but, but Jesus is with you. He is with you. He loves you. He's gracious to you. If you're in Christ, this means that no matter what your record of obedience looks like this past week, you're as clean as Jesus. At the cross, he took your dirt. He took your sin, all of your sin, all of your failures. He made them his own at the cross. That he might give to you all of his kindness, all of his generosity, all of his love to be your very own. If you're joining us today and you don't know Christ, I, I pray that you would see the love and grace of God for you. I, I pray that God would, would free you uh, from trying to earn your way to get his approval by your obedience or your, your, your performance. And I pray that he'd free you also from dismissing his law. But rather, I pray that you would see Jesus. You would see Jesus for who he is, for what he's done. And that you would respond by saying, Father, accept me because of what Jesus has done for me. And know that he rescues you that he accepts you, that he is with you, and that one day you will feast with him in glory. Friends, let us press in to the Lord. Let us rest in his grace. Let us know that he is with us. Let us boldly come forward with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. Let us press in and trust in the Lord in this time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we we thank you for this time to worship. Even though we can't gather together, that we can, we can gather with you. We can gather uh, through technology. 
to worship you for who you are and what you've done. Oh God, would you give us a, a clearer understanding of, of, of your love and grace, even in your law, that you rescue us, you accept us at, at great cost to yourself, Father, by sending your own Son to live and die in our place. You accept us already completely because of his finished work. And you invite us to enjoy your love, to live as your beloved, and to love you by living for you in every way possible. Lord, in, in this season, may we, may we be like the psalmist who delights in your law, who delights in your word. This seize the opportunity that many of us have to, to meditate on it all the day to find it to be sweeter than honey to the taste. Lord, may we find hope in you. May we press into your presence now and always. And may we even in these moments be looking forward with expectant, sure hope to that day when we will feast with you in glory and we will weep no more. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.